So Genesis 24, let's look in verse number 2. And Abraham said to his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country, to my kindred, and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me into this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land which thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware thou that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, and from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee. Thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman be not willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. We'll stop reading there. Maybe look farther as we go along. But to get started, let's understand where we are in the text. Here's Abraham, the man chosen by God to be the head of his people, the the father of faith, if you'll have it, as he's called even in the New Testament. And Abraham was blessed with Sarah as a wife. She was barren for all of her life. And at the age of 90, and Abraham being 99, the great miracle, she becomes pregnant. She gives birth to Isaac, the promised seed of the Lord. So all they could say was this son was provided us by the hand of God. There was no other place that there could be glory given. And we know in, in chapter 22, you see Abraham take Isaac up on the mountain. And it was there that Abraham was prepared to offer him unto God at the commandment of God. And I believe we can see the types and shadows there that God the Father took His Son Jesus to the top of the mountain and He did offer Jesus there. And Jesus, I believe exactly as Isaac was, willingly submitted Himself to what the Father said and to what the Father's will was and that if it was the Father's will that He suffered, Jesus was satisfied to suffer. And there the Lord was offered in our place. We also see there with Isaac that God brought a ram up the other side of the mountain, got caught in the brambles, and the Lord allowed the ram to be killed in the place of Isaac. And Abraham's famous words, My son, the Lord shall provide. And the Lord provided for Isaac. And the Lord's provided for us as well. The Lord Jesus Christ who, who came and gave himself for our sins. He he was bruised for our iniquities. Uh, his stripes were what healed us. He was offered there. And, and now you see, it's Abraham's getting up in years. Sarah's just died in chapter 23 and they buried her. And he's looking for Isaac to have a wife. So you think about the church. All different names for it through the New Testament. There is the church. That name means the called out and into So God's called the people out of the world and into His family. You see the sons of God, a name for the church. The saints of God, uh, you can see the bride also 
in the New Testament. All of these words to describe uh, the people that God has redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ out of sin and into life and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit of God. And so here, uh, Abraham, and you, I say as you read this, why would somebody, why would you do it like this? Abraham gets his servant, his eldest servant, maybe his most trusted servant. Uh, we might say in our language, he's, he got his right-hand man and said, I want you to go back to where I come from, to my father's house, and there I want you to find a wife. But now Isaac, he's not allowed to go. He's not going down there. You're going to go, and if she's not willing to come, then so be it. And so here, you, you see the picture of that now on the back side. The Lord Jesus has came. He has given His life. He has successfully overcome death, hell, the grave, Satan, sin. He's been accepted by God as a sacrifice and propitiation for the sins of mankind. And now He's ascended back to God the Father. And we know by the Scripture, the Lord Jesus is not coming back until the very end. When the Lord comes back, everything's burned up. When the Lord comes back, it's an end of all life in the flesh on the earth. It's going to be that great fearful day of wrath and of judgment. So that's the promise that we're left with. But you know what the Lord has done? And this was the Lord's choice. God chose to do this. God chose that through the preaching of the gospel and the drawing of the Holy Spirit, He would bring His bride out from amongst the world and into His family. And you know, uh, Rebecca, she's down here in this country. Rebecca's going to be the wife of Isaac. She doesn't know it yet. She might know about Isaac. She might have heard about him through word of mouth. But she has no thought of leaving her home country and going to marry Isaac at this time right here. This is back before Rebecca's ever aware anything's going on. Here's Abraham. Here's the father. Here's the right-hand man. Here's the Holy Spirit of God. And they are uh, working together to get a wife for Isaac. So here's the Lord Jesus, the, the one that gave himself that there could be a bride. And here's God the Father and the Holy Spirit working to call a bride for the Lord out from among the world. Now when did this happen? Listen to this scripture now. I think, I think sometimes it gets messed up in people's minds. And, and people think, well... This happened when I chose the Lord, when I decided that I would repent. But in, in Timothy, 2 Timothy, and bear with me just for a minute while I find it. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 9. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now manifest by the appearing of our Savior. So when was this plan of God, when was this put together? Was it put together when they fell in the garden? Was it put together the day that I needed saved? 
Was this all set in motion? Uh, Was God just waiting on me to do something before God ever acted? Was God waiting on Rebecca to say, you know, I want to go see Isaac? Absolutely not. This was all taking place unbeknownst to Rebecca. And and I say this unbeknownst to us as well. God was at work bringing His church out of the world. And I believe this as well. There are those that will be saved, that God will deliver, that God will work in their hearts. And unbeknownst to them, God is already at work bringing them to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here... He says, look, put your hand under my thigh and swear. He's got a place to go. The Holy Spirit has been sent among mankind today. The call of God is to come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, for forgiveness, and for mercy. But she's not going to get to lay eyes on Isaac. He's not coming down there. And Abraham forbids that Isaac go. So do you know how she's going to come to marry him? She's going to have faith. It's going to be through the hearing of the ear and her believing it in her heart. And is that not exactly the way the Lord Jesus was given in John 3.16 that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. I, I'm not looking for him to uh, to come to save me. You know, I've never seen him with my eyes. I've never, as as Frank taught this morning, I've never seen God with my eyes. I, I've never seen the evidence of this in, in my flesh. But you know, God sent the Holy Spirit to me and he bore witness to me of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here, and, and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But here the the servant swears to Abraham and he goes down to his father's house. And he comes down to the city there where Abraham was from and he sits down by the well outside of the city. Now in this day they didn't have running water in their house and it was a tradition that in the evening, 5, 5, 6 o'clock, the women come out of the city to the well and they drew water. And it's right about this time that this servant comes to this well and he begins to pray as he gets there and he says, "Uh, Oh God of my father Abraham, I pray for your leadership, your blessing, your grace. And we're just paraphrasing here. You can read it later if you'd like to. But he's praying, God, would you bless my journey here and confirm to me the the woman that, that is for my Uh, Master Isaac confirmed that when I ask for water she draws for me and she draws for my camels also. And the Bible says this, if, if you'll look. In verse 15. And it came to pass before he had done speaking. So here's the servant and and he's praying to God for this. God would you uh, would you be bless my journey here and would you give me this sign that I might know that you've made this journey prosperous? He's asking God, would you give me some guidance here? Would you help me to know the, the person that I'm supposed to speak with? Would you lead me to the woman that is right for the Master Isaac? Would you show me your will and what your way would be? And as he's praying this prayer... Here comes a young lady out of the city. Now you tell me, what's the chances? What's the chances of this happening? 
And he says to her, he says, would you uh, please draw me some water? I'm thirsty. And Rebecca does just like he was praying. She says, let me draw for your camels also. And she went and drew. She drew water for all of the camels. And this servant, he's stunned. He's amazed by what's went on here. How, how in the world could this be? Uh, he says this in Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah 54, I believe. Isaiah 64, I'm sorry. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. How is it possible that God is answering before that it's even asked of Him? I'm telling you, God's the one behind it that's putting it all together. If you could see that, because before this servant prays this prayer, back in the city, back at home, Rebecca's saying, maybe Rebecca's mom says, honey, are you going to go get the water? It's about time for you to go draw. And so she's getting uh, getting all of her stuff on. She's getting her, her pictures together. She's setting out and taking the journey. And here comes the servant from Abraham's land. You know, maybe they had to stop somewhere. Maybe they had trouble along the way. But I tell you this, no matter what happened, God brought them both together at the exact time and as this man was praying, God was already working before it was even asked of him, bringing this together. Unbeknownst to to any of them that were involved, God was already at work bringing this together. So do you see God's provision and God's foreordination at work in this. And I've mentioned this scripture here before in Ruth chapter 2. Here's Ruth. She was a Moabitess. She come up out of Moab with Naomi. They're now in Bethlehem and uh, she's going out to glean. In that day, the poor people they uh, and the widows and, and those folks, they, they didn't have a means to provide for their self. So as the, the farmers would be gathering, they wouldn't gather it clean. But they would leave and, and so that the poor and the widows could go and glean what was left in the fields that they might live and have sustenance. And so she's going out and she says, I'm going to go glean today. Now here's her first day in Bethlehem, her first day going out to glean. And do you know where Ruth winds up gleaning at? Uh, I, you can't work it out any better. But she winds up, she goes out and she looks. And you know, I, I don't know what letter there either. I don't know whether Boaz's men were out there extra early and they were the only ones in the field working. I don't know if she looked around and said, you know, they they look like they're the best. I I don't know what letter there uh, in her thinking or her process, but it was God back of every bit of it. And the Bible says this, beautiful word, her hap was. You know, Ruth, in her mind there, she's not... She's not thinking or seeing any of this go on. She just winds up in this field behind these reapers. And it just happens. What luck. It's Boaz's field. It's the near kinsman and the redeemer's field. Esther as well. The king put out Vashti, the, the queen. He's going to choose a new queen. 
all of the virgins, they prepare themselves to come. And Esther is the one that is chosen out of all the virgins in the land and 127 provinces. Not a little kingdom either. But out of a great number, Esther is the one to choose. And that beautiful scripture where Mordecai is reasoning with her and saying, listen here Esther, we didn't know this at the time, but this time and this reason and this opportunity, this may be why God put you here to begin with. Back of everything, God is working and bringing all things together and man man just is unable to recognize God's working at the time. And I, I realize that and that's, that's not a knock to you. But I tell you down the line, we ought to be able to look back and say, you know, how did I wind up here? If you're saved, I believe you could do this. If you've been saved any length of time, you could look back and say, how did I get to this place? And if you're not saved, could you say this? How did I get to where I'm at today? How did I get under the gospel today? How was it that my life from where I started and from where I was, just go back 10 years ago, how was it that I got from where I was 10 years ago to where I am today? You know what I believe we could recognize? Well, look at how God, look at how God worked this out. Look at how God was ordering this. I'm going to tell you luck. I can only believe that so far. Ain't that right? I mean, there comes a time that there's so many coincidences, that there's so many circumstances that worked out just exactly right that I could be here today and under the preaching of the gospel that we've got to recognize it was God working in every bit of it. Ordaining and ordering and leading in all things. What luck. There is no luck. But it's God's provision. And you know, here's Rebecca. This is all being set in order. And she's not aware of any of it. You know what she's going to be made? She's going to be made one of the heads of the children of Israel. She's going to be the the wife of the promised son. You know what the church is today? The bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the Spirit and the angel came to Mary there in, in, in her home country and he said, Mary, behold, thou art highly favored. And could you not say that about all of the church that, that God has foreordained, God has provisioned, God has made and saw fit that we're under the gospel today that this opportunity be afforded us that we know about God. I'm telling you, if you know anything about God and about the truth, you've been blessed in the day and hour that we're living in. There's very few people that know the first thing about God and what people do know about God is a lie. They've been deceived. But look at how God's brought us to a place that we know what we know, that we have the opportunity that we have. Could you at least recognize that it's God that's got us here? Oh, I wish we could. I wish we could recognize His hand and His goodness and His provision leading up to at least this day. 
And if He's brought me to this day, He'll bring me to the next too. And if there is no next day, He'll take me home. Is that not true? So here, the Lord is at work. Here's Rebecca. She's got no desire to marry Isaac. Would you say now that she's thought about Isaac one time in the last six months? And when she sees this fella here, she don't know who this fella is. Abraham left before Rebecca was ever born. Abraham's been gone for a long time. And this isn't even family. This is a servant. So do you reckon that she's thinking anything about Isaac, anything about Abraham, anything about what's going on here? Absolutely not. And I've said this before here and... I don't want to be a broken record, but may God help us to see the truth that's in all of this. That when I came to church, the very day that the Lord saved me, I was not thinking that the Lord would pass me by that day. I was not thinking about being delivered from my sin. I was not thinking about... God making a change in my life. I wasn't, th- I tell you, I wasn't even thinking about the need that I had in my soul. But you know, I went down to the house of God and wouldn't you know it, there the servant of God was and he met with me there. Met with me by the well. The well of water of the Word of God with a message, a message for me. So this servant as he stands back and watches this woman, now remember what he was just praying. Lord, would you lead me to the right person? When I say this, would you let her draw out water for me and for the camels? Lord, let this be a sign to me and let me know that you've blessed my journey. And as he's saying these words, here she comes. He asks for water. She pours it out. And as he's standing there amazed, he doesn't believe what's going on. I can't believe that here's the first woman. I mean, I just got here. I just said a sentence or two to God and here's the right one. There's there's no way. This is too good to be true. So he pulls out a golden earring and golden bracelets. I mean, the the Spirit doesn't come empty-handed. You know what there is? There's evidence of life brought by the Spirit. And it's not that the eyes can see. Remember, this is a parable. An earring and two golden bracelets. What value? But if you compared that earring, if they were 24 carat and the two bracelets. What comparison was that to what Isaac had back at the house? It's just a a quarter out of a million dollars, maybe. The riches that were there, but the man had some evidence. You know what the Holy Spirit brings? Convincing evidence. Convincing evidence from a far country. Listen, 
I'm not just somebody that's spinning a bunch of lies. I'm not just a snake oil salesman, but I've got some evidence to prove what I'm saying. That's what he says to Rebecca. Look at what my master's given me to bring down here to prove that he's a mighty man, to prove that he's a rich man, to prove that he's real. You know, the world looks at the church and says, how can you go on something like that? How can you believe in such foolishness like that? I tell you, there was a time that in the depths of my soul, honest to God, I did not believe it. But there came a witness one day with such a convincing testimony. He persuaded me. He convinced me that the Lord Jesus was my Savior. That He loved me and that He gave Himself for me. A persuading witness. The evidence of the Spirit down in the depths of a man's heart. Convincing man of his sin and of the goodness of God as a remedy to sin. So, he stands back, he gives her this gold, and he says, look, who's your daddy? What house are you from? Because remember, Abraham said, now she's going to have to be from my household. I don't want Isaac to marry any old heathen. Any old heathen ain't going to cut it. But I want her to come from my household. So now he's got this sign. He's standing back and he can't believe as she waters the camels. He gives her some gold and says, Listen, young lady, what, whose house are you from? And she says, she answers, and I'm not going to look and read those names, but she says, I'm from the house of Nahor. Nahor, the, the family of Abraham. Now at this point, this fella's mind is blown. He begins to worship God. And he says, look, we, we need to go to your house. I need to speak to your family. Uh, my master sent me down here and listen, I'm convinced that he's brought me right to where you are. The Lord has brought me here. And so he comes to her house. Her brother and family come together and this man begins to give testimony. Now, we looked at this scripture before in John chapter 16. The Lord Jesus says that the one that should come, the Comforter, that He would not bear witness of Himself. The Spirit doesn't pass by and let me know how mighty that He is. The Spirit doesn't glorify or exalt Himself. But do you know what He does? He tells me about the Father and He tells me about the Lord Jesus. He tells me about uh, all that's been done to this point. And that's what this man does. He says, listen, I'm Abraham's servant. He come from this place. And I'm sure there was some that remembered Abraham when he left. He said, Abraham's been blessed by God. God has been with him. God's given him a son in his old age. And I've come to seek a wife. And I want you to understand this, folks. The Lord has brought me right here. The Lord brought me to this young lady. And this is the woman that God has meant for this. Yeah. Yeah. God meant for this. So as the call of God goes out to individual hearts, it's not blind luck that somebody receives a call. But it's God that's brought it all together to this point so that you can pull down a calendar 
You can pull it down and say, looky here, on, on this day, at this hour, at this minute, and if we could be good enough, we could get her down to the second. It was at this point that the servant visited me and it was meant to happen. It's not, well, what luck, what luck that I got into there. How lucky that I was to be at church that morning. I tell you, back of everything, God was working to ensure that you would be there. Bringing it all together. All things working together for the good and the salvation of the soul of mankind. That was the case even before that I was ever saved. Listen, let me read that again there in Timothy. I guess I really should have put a bookmark on that Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to life, through the gospel. So you know, you could come and you think about it. When I was in sin, I was brought to church. I was a sinner. I was lost. I was blind. I was deceived. But I was brought to church. And I I sat under gospel preaching. But you remember the parable of the sower? I was just like that ground by the wayside. The seed was thrown my way and the devil stole it immediately. I never gave any thought to the Word of God. Never gave any care to what God said to me. I paid it no attention and no mind. (coughs) But there was a day there was a day that God called me. That the Holy Spirit came and said, I want you to know what God's done for you. I want you to know that God has brought us to this day, to this place, to this point in time that you would be saved. And He persuaded me of that. By the Spirit, by the power of God, He brought us to that place. And if you look on down here, after the the testimony of this fella to the family, Laban and Bethuel, now that's her family, says the thing proceedeth from the Lord, we cannot speak unto thee bad or good. You know, that's, that's a pretty good answer. If the Lord's done it, what have I got to say? Can I say anything good or bad about it? Can I add to the work or can I take away from the work? No, this this is of the Lord. Well, preacher, it's, it's really not all of the Lord. Well, you tell me how this, how this happened here with Rebecca. And you look at your life and you look where God brought you out of and from and how He got you into the kingdom, how we got to where we are today, and you tell me God's good hand was not in and working in every single bit of it. God has been, He's been provident towards us. When our mind was completely the other way, when Rebecca was not thinking for a moment about God, about Abraham and about Isaac, she was getting ready to go draw water and meet the servant. I got ready for church one day with no thought of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and I went down to church like I always did, and I met him there. So, the son, Isaac's not there now. All she has is the testimony and the evidence of this witness, of this servant. So if she's coming back now, she's going to have to believe what's been told her, be persuaded. How how do you know that she was persuaded? Because when they ask her, and they called Rebekah in verse 58, wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. So I want you to think now what this means. She says, I'm going to leave my house. I'm going to leave my family. If she had a little job, I'm going to leave that behind. I'm going to leave behind all my friends and all my acquaintances and all that I've known here. I'm going to leave behind all the possession and property that I might have here. I'm going to leave all of that behind. I'm going to pack my bags. I'm going to follow this man back across the Sahara Desert to meet this man that I've never seen before. And you wonder why the world thinks you're crazy. You wonder why man looks at us and says, y'all don't have a lick of sense in your head, but I'm telling you by the witness of the Spirit, he persuaded me and I'm going to meet him one day. I'm going. And when it comes down to it, you know what the question is going to be? Rebecca, wilt thou go? Will you go with this man? Will you follow this servant? She said, I will go in Psalm. I don't have a marker here either, so just bear with me for just a minute. In Psalm 45... Verse number 10. Hearken, O daughter, and consider. Incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. In Matthew 16, I guess more familiar scripture, there he's calling her to forsake her her life, her good and come and follow the Lord. In Matthew, the Lord says it this way, If any man come after me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. For whosoever shall lose his life shall find it, and whosoever shall keep his life shall lose it. What's being said? I tell you, this is a part that's left out of the gospel a lot of times. If I'm coming after the Lord, I'm going to lay my life down. It's required. And you know, that's where, that's where a great number of people get hung up. They say, well, I, I'm not willing to lay that life down. And it's right there. There's where the witness, there's where the Holy Spirit, there's where God's convincing and drawing power is necessary. Because man is not going to give up his life. Man's not going to surrender to the Lord. I'm not leaving all this stuff behind. You might be lying to me. Ain't that what man says? What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? And maybe Laban or Bethuel, maybe they said to Rebecca, look, you you better be sure of this. 
you'd better be sure that this man you're following, that there is a man named Isaac back home. How do we know for sure that this ain't all a big tale? How do we know for sure that this isn't false? We've never seen any of this with our eyes. And you haven't either. But would you think about how persuaded the Lord made you in an instant? It wasn't through 18 years of Sunday school that you got persuaded, but in one instant the Holy Spirit revealed to us and opened our eyes and our hearts and persuaded us of the truth. And I tell you, when my eyes were opened and God convinced me, I remember I remember saying, Lord, if you'll call me, if you'll open the door for me, I will go without fail. I, I realize that's a big statement. But as I sat back there in the pew with my eyes open to the hell that I was heading to and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ that was awaiting me, I said, God, open the door for me. I want to receive this. I want to escape this fire. I want to escape this trouble. I want to be saved. And you know, that's where the Lord brings people to by the working of the Holy Ghost. He draws them to the place that they say, I will go. I was ready. You might say a good salesman. This man was a good salesman. But he, he wasn't being a salesman. He was bearing record to the truth. The preacher don't have to be a good salesman. And the truth is, if somebody comes because I talked them into coming, they're no better off than they were beforehand. If I'm a good salesman and I can fill the altar up, I've not saved one individual person. But you know what we do? We try to proclaim the truth and God do the drawing. And friends, when God draws, there'll be hearts that'll say, I will go. They won't have to be begged and pulled and tugged on. But the Lord will bring them. And so, Rebecca arose and her damsels and they rode on camels. Here they come. So it's more than just a mouthy profession. Some people say, well, I'll go. And they never go. Is that of any value? The Lord said it this way one time. Which of these two sons did the father's will? The Lord came to his two boys and says, go work in my field. One of them says, I'll go. And never goes. One of them says, I, I'm not going. But he repents and then he goes. Well, the one that repented did the Father's will. The one that did what the Father said, that's the one that done the will of the Father. Is that not the truth? So if Rebecca says, yeah, I'm going to go, boy, we get excited there. Look at her. Look at her willingness. Look at her humbleness. Look at her submission. But you know what she's going to do? She's going to get up and pack her bag and go. A pile of people come to the altar and a pile of people say, I'm going to go. A pile of people says, I'm going to be saved. A pile of people says, I'm going to do better. But it was not of the Lord and they cannot stay with it. Did they really do the Lord's will? If she doesn't leave, is she really going? So... If our life isn't changed, have we really repented? 
It's a fair question. That's not mean either. No, that's not mean. That's just the truth of it. How can I say I'm going to heaven? How can I say I've been saved? How can I say I'm going with a master and my life has never moved that direction in the least bit? She arose and the servant took Rebekah and went his way. So you see what's happening here. She's got up and went. She's now following this servant that came and got her. And this servant is taking her back to where Isaac was. And I looked one time and I don't rem- I can't remember how many miles it was. It's several days journey from where Abraham came from back to the land of Canaan. So this wasn't a short trip. It wasn't a short journey. And it wasn't an easy trip either. There was desert that was along the way. And there were hardships along the way. But she's with the servant going to meet Isaac. And you know, that's where the church is today. We've not met Isaac yet, but we're going to see him. But we're on the journey. And we're not on the journey alone either. Sure, we have one another. And the Bible says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How that the church as one body is to act together in support of one another. And I don't just mean naturally. We're very blessed to be able to help the fleshly part of man. But I tell you why the church is there. To encourage our hearts in the Word of God. To encourage us to do the right thing. To encourage us to follow the Lord. The Lord has put us in a body. He's called us out of the world. He set us in the church that we might spiritually grow and strengthen one another in the truth. I've not done any service to you if I lead you away from the Word of God. I've harmed you. The church should not be doing that. We're here to help point people in the truth to what the Word of God says. And so we're there to encourage, to strengthen, and to help one another along this way. But the Holy Spirit is there I mean, he said he would never leave us nor forsake us. How long is Rebecca going to be with this servant? Till she gets home to where Isaac is. Isaac's the goal. But for now, she's got a companion that's with her all the way. And do you know what he's doing? He's guiding her to where the, the master's at. You know the truth, we don't know where we're going a lot of times. And I don't mean that naturally speaking. I... You can, you can picture it naturally as it is in this story. You can bring it to us today and you say, well, I'm going to go to uh, 6th Street, Atlanta, Georgia. You've never been there in your life and I say this, you just take out a driving without a map and without a GPS and try to get to 6th Street in Atlanta, Georgia and see what a gom you get in. You know what though really helps? When you've got one of them little screens and it's got a little voice on it and it says, uh, in a one and a half mile, turn, take the next right. Take exit 131 and go down and turn left. You know what that is? Step by step directions. That'll get me to where I need to go. If I begin to follow my nature and my desire, I'm going to get in the wrong place. I don't know where I'm going. My nature is to get in a gum, to be fouled up, to be lost. But the Spirit, 
and Lord forbid, you've got to be careful right there. Because our world has the Spirit leading them to do all manner of things. That's contrary to the directions of the Word of God. I tell you what it'd be like. It'd be like going on Google and printing off directions and then pushing it into your Google phone and getting directions from there and they're, they're being opposite one to another. The paper says ought to go left, but the voice is saying ought to go right. Well, friends, that ain't the way it works. The Spirit and the Word, they line up one with another. The Spirit does not lead contrary to the direction that the Lord provided in the Word. And Rebecca lifted up her eyes. You know what's going to happen here? She's going to get home. You know the Lord, the Lord has never lost one person. Ever lost one person. There's never been one that he's overlooked or that he's missed. Not one sheep. How easy now? If you had a thousand head of sheep in a field, how easy would it be to overlook that one of them is missing? But you know, this good shepherd, he knows all of his sheep. He knows all of their names. He knows where every one of them is all of the time. And he's never lost one of them. No, I tell you, if you start this journey, you'll make it home. The Lord will ensure that you make it home. And so Rebecca, at the end of her journey, maybe she was tired, maybe she wasn't. But you know what she had to do along the way? Where do you think her mind was as she's going this way? I believe she was getting more and more excited to see Isaac. I want to see this man. I want to see this man that I've I've left everything I've got. I've forsaken everything that I've had. I'm ready to meet this man. I'm ready to embrace him in my arms. I'm ready to marry this man and be with him all of the days of my life. I, I remember, and don't get carnal, but I remember Maxine. She was in her last days. And I remember her saying, I'm just ready to meet the Lord Jesus. You know where she was? She was where Rebecca was as the wagons got closer and closer to home. I'm ready to meet the one that saved my soul from sin, that delivered me from the darkness that I was in, and that's blessed my life all this way. I'm ready to lay down this outward man, and I'm ready to lay eyes on him. Well, I tell you, that's where we have to look in this world. Uh, I know that there's discouragement. I know that there's hardship. But we're on this journey. The Spirit of God is with us. And we look towards the Lord Jesus Christ that gave Himself for us. We encourage our heart in the Lord and we go onward. (sighs) Well, doing what the Lord says, that's the hardest thing to do. You ought not be surprised by that that your carnal mind and your flesh finds the Word of God the hardest thing to do. We're enemies of God in the flesh. So of course our flesh will resist. But I believe this, in this moment right here, that she lighted off the camel, for she had said unto the servant, what man is that walking in the field? So they, they come around the bend 
And here's Isaac in the field. Maybe he's heard the wagons coming and he's thought, you know, that might be them. They might be bringing my wife home. And Isaac's ready to see her and embrace her as well. And so he takes out from his tent and he begins to walk in the direction that he hears the sound coming. They come around the bend and, and she says, who is that man yonder? And he says, that's my master. That's old Isaac. That's the one I've been telling you about. That's the one I've bore witness of. That's the one that went up on the mountain and willingly gave his life for him you know what she did she jumped off of the camel and she said I'm going to go to where he's at I tell you we're going to get the light off of the camel one day and go where he's at we're going home we are we're going home so what ought we to do today by the grace of God we ought to look to that day hope to that day and God give me the strength to labor on the journey that we're on today. She covered herself and the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her unto his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So Isaac takes her in, he marries her, and his heart loves her. But you know the Lord, the Lord loved us. He loved us before we ever loved Him. He loved us before we ever said we'd be willing to go with Him. He loved us, the Bible says, that that God commendeth, so He proveth. He put on display to exhibit would be the word there. Like you go to the museum and they've got an exhibit. They've got an example of this on display. Well, the Lord put His love on exhibit. He put His love on display for us that while we were yet sinners, while we were in sin, He loved us and gave Himself for us. I tell you, there there is no greater love than the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for His saints. Why did He do this? So that we could be brought out of the world and into the family of God. God is no more God today than He was before He created the world. Jesus is no more the Word of God today than He was before the creation of the world. The Spirit is no more God today than He was before the foundation of the world. They are still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I've not made them one thing more than they already were. You know who benefited? I benefited. I got to be delivered. I was brought out of sin. I was brought out of my father's country and into the family of God. May we labor. May we work in the time that we have left knowing, Paul says this, I've probably read this here before, maybe one of my favorite, and you've got to be careful when you say stuff like that, you'll find another favorite. Maybe one of my favorite verses. If children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. So do you see? You see that there's the blessing of God that... I'm going to tell you, I've had a hard time saying those words before. That's hard for me to see of myself that I am an equal heir with Jesus Christ. How in the world could somebody as mean and as as wicked and as vile and 
as sinful as I am, be an equal heir with the Lord Jesus Christ? Have, can you think of anybody that's more loving and more giving than this God? But you know what there is? There's a call for me to suffer with Him. To endure with Him. To stay under on this journey that we're on. But Paul concludes it with this right here. Well, preacher, I don't want to suffer. Well, I tell you, we've got a promise of this. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. You know what Paul said? I believe you could see it just like this. Here's a pregnant woman. Here she is. She's... She's brought to birth. You know what she's going to endure? Some of the greatest suffering she's ever going to endure in her life. She's going to endure it in that hospital bed with a stirrups on. She's going to endure that in delivery. But you know what's going to happen? The end of that's going to come and they're going to take that little boy or that little girl and they're going to lay that up on her chest And my God, every bit of that in an instant and in a moment is forgotten about. It's forgotten. It's behind us. I tell you, the joy of that little child is greater than all of the suffering before. You forget it. And Paul says, now Paul was beaten. Beaten I don't know how many times. Paul was naked and cold. Paul was arrested and imprisoned. Paul was mocked and made fun of and despised and hated. And in the end, his head's going to be cut off. He hungered and thirsted. Boy, Paul, Paul suffered. And I say, yeah, Paul suffered. Much more, much more in one day than I have my life to this point. Paul suffered. But you know what that man that suffered all that said? He said, I reckon. I've wrote the definition of that word down. To take an inventory or to estimate. So you know what you do when you take an inventory? You've got your list. We do it at work sometimes. We've got a list at what ought to be out there in the yard. How many two by fours? How many two by sixes? How many six by sixes? And you take your inventory out there and you count and you make sure that it's accurate. You're counting up the cost. You're counting up the account. Paul says, I've sat down and I've added up all the suffering that I've endured. I've added up all of the pain that I've endured. I've added up everything that I can go through. And when I look at the bottom line, there's no comparison between what it's cost me to what I'm going to get when I enter into the presence of the Lord. Is it worth it? Frank, has there ever really been a time that it's not been worth it? It's worth it. It won't be easy. But it's a journey that's worth it. And you know where her name's going to be? You can go to Matthew, go to Luke, to the lineage of the Lord Jesus, and there she is with Isaac. You know where the church's name is? The church's name is in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all that's on her heart. I thank the Lord for His help.